My name is Corey. I'm the associate pastor here at Commonplace. Chris, am I in a good spot here where I'm at? Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, really happy to be here. We have this um, incredible baptismal inflatable tub. So really uh, looking forward to that today. Um, and so if you're visiting, thank you for visiting with us. We're actually all visitors today here at Vassa Park. Um, I don't know. Do we have any, any locals? Any locals here? Any, right? Donna, I actually grew up right down the street in uh, Steadwick Village, um, so very local to this area too. So it's always good to, you know, relive your childhood traumas a little bit, you know? Um, you know, I, I can't remember. It might have been third grade or fifth grade. Um, I uh, attempted being a Cub Scout. And by attempted, I mean it didn't last very long. We actually met right in that building down there, and uh, I just wasn't cut out for it. I don't think anyone who knows me, that's probably not much of a surprise. Um, I remember one day, um, and I, I don't know much about Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, so if, if, that's, if that's your gig, keep doing what you're doing. I don't think I had a single badge on my, my vest. It just didn't, it didn't work out for me. And I remember one day, uh, they wanted us to exercise, like, outside, and, you know, now I'm a runner, and I can kind of get into that, but at the time, I was like, this is not for me. I play computer games, you know. I already had my tech neck kind of thing working. Now it's fully stuck like that. But uh, so yeah, you know, I just, it, I wasn't built for it. And I remember uh, the final straw for me towards the end of the, the season, it might've been a full year. I really don't remember. Um, there was a uh, Pinewood Derby. Is anyone familiar with a Pinewood Derby? Yeah. So, right. You know what I'm talking about. It sounds like a good memory for some of you guys. That's great. Not, not so much for me. And so basically, for those of you who don't know, you have to take uh, like a pine block, like a block of wood, and you, I don't, you do like handy stuff to it, right? You saw it or you carve it and you uh, drill wheels into it and, and you make it so that it races well. And then you all get this, I think we had this big ramp set up and you have to ride it down this ramp and, and see who's is the fastest and... Um, I don't know if any of you have kids like, like I was for my parents, but I was the ultra procrastinator, like to the very last second. I almost made a game out of it. And uh, like, yeah, I was the kid that like 9 p.m. the night before like a science project was due, I would like walk to my parents, like head hung low, like asking for a ride to Walmart for a poster board or styrofoam sphere to make the layers of the earth in. And, and so I treated the Pinewood Derby thing exactly the same. I uh, kid you not, I think it was the day of, I just, <laughs> I drilled the wheels into an unpainted, uncarved pine block, <laughs> and I just showed up with it. I was checked out. I knew it wasn't for me, but it, so I show up with this unaffected pine block, drilled the wheels into it. I don't even know if it made it down the ramp successfully. This is like partially blocked out of my mind. Um, and so, yeah, we're really glad to be here at Vassa Park. Hey, really glad to be visiting, redeeming some good memories. Um, and, you know, I actually am kind of going somewhere with this. So those, those Pinewood Derby cars, you know, for them to race well, make it down the ramp without tumbling, um, it takes time. They have to be molded and shaped and carved. There's attention to detail. There's patience. And they have to be built well. And as we saw in today's passage in Colossians, the same goes for uh, what we would call our spiritual formation, being rooted and built up in Jesus. And uh, those here today who have made the decision to be baptized, this outward declaration of uh, their personal enduring faith 
in Jesus and his saving power and his ability to save and forgive who are making that public commitment to follow Jesus. Uh, following Jesus is, is a lifelong journey. And with the grace of God and, and the power of his Holy Spirit, we are shaped and formed into the image of Christ so that we can race well, so that we can live well for Jesus. And uh, Paul, the author of today's passage, uh, the Apostle Paul, speaks about this in verses 6 and 7 as he says, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So the first thing we see is that the Colossians have received Jesus. Before anything else is talked about, it's about what we have received in Jesus. And that is God's grace and his for- the forgiveness of sins that is offered to us through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as a gift from God himself for all who believe in the name of Jesus to receive, that we receive that gift. So we don't earn forgiveness by our good works or our best behaviors. The reality is we couldn't even if we tried. And so instead, it is a gift that we receive. And and while this is a gift we can't earn, what we can do is we can respond to it. And one of those ways is by being baptized. And if we look at what Paul says next, he says, as you have received Jesus, so walk in him. And that is the Christian life. It's not necessarily a single moment of prayer or a moment of conversion, but rather a lifetime of walking with Jesus. While we're essentially saved and indwelled by the Holy Spirit in an instant, uh, most of us here who have been following Jesus, really all of us here, can attest to the fact that we don't instantly become like Jesus. There are many things about us that are very much unlike Jesus. And as we receive this free gift and we follow him, we learn about his word. We learn how to pray to him. We learn how to pray with him. We learn how to worship him. We learn how to live for him. We learn how to live with others who are trying to do the same in community together. So we don't simply mentally ascend, right? It's not just knowing the gospel. It's living as if our beliefs are actually true. Imagine that, right? And oftentimes, the biggest criticisms you'll hear about Christians, and a lot of them are valid, is that Christians are hypocrites, that there's hypocrisy. And ironically, or maybe really not ironically at all, some of Jesus' biggest criticisms himself were of the religious leaders of his day and their hypocrisy, that there's a value to living your beliefs out. I don't know if anyone saw, there. I don't know what church it was. There was a church on 46 right near Bud Lake passed this morning and the church sign said something along the lines of act as if God loves all of the people in your life. And of course we believe that, that God loves everyone and that he loves all people. Everyone we encounter, he loves all of them. But that call to act like it, it's not to perform, it's not to check boxes, it's not religious rituals, it's to live as if what you believe is true to you. And so the true Christian life, to be saved and forgiven and indwelled with the Holy Spirit and to be baptized, all these incredible truths, it's to walk with Jesus. Some people would say to walk the walk or to back it up, put your money where your mouth is kind of thing. 
And what Paul does next is he gives really good instructions on how to do this when he calls us to be rooted and built up and established in the faith. Um, on the side of my house, we have this big rose bush. It's, it's really beautiful. It's also very thorny and kind of hard to get around, uh, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. And so I'll take my garden shears and I try to prune it and, and uh, salvage some of the kind of bundles of roses, put them inside, put them in a vase in the kitchen, put some water in it. That's a lot for me. But, uh, you know, I try to cut them gently. I usually have some battle wounds in the process, but I try to keep them alive in the kitchen, put them in a nice spot, make sure they have sun and water and all those nice things. But what happens to those flowers after a few days? Maybe for some it lasts longer, but for me it's just a few days, is that they, they begin to lose their color, begin to sag a little, they don't look quite the same. They don't have the same life in them. And after a few days, they just kind of wither away and die. And, you know, I do things here and there to try and maintain them, but they're not in the environment that they're really supposed to be in, and so they don't survive very long in that environment. And that's because they've been cut from the vine. They've been cut from their life source. They've been uprooted. And when we aren't rooted in Christ, as Paul says, when we start trying to survive off of our own strength or our own wisdom or our own pride, our way of doing things, we don't make it very far. We've, been, we've cut ourselves off from our life source and we're, we're trying to survive off of unsustainable things. Uh, we've been in Ecclesiastes as a church for like six months. We actually just wrapped up last week and we saw the same thing. When we try to put ourselves in, in an unsustainable life source for strength or for... Uh, wisdom or intelligence, whatever, it doesn't get us very far. And we learn in, in Paul's letter to the Colossians that there's also um, a struggle when not being rooted in Christ can be when we begin to place our faith or trust in other things or other people. Uh, if you read through the rest of, of his letter, uh, there seems to be an individual or a group of individuals uh, teaching the people something untrue about God or untrue about themselves. And uh, Paul calls them, I love this, to remain established in the faith just as they were initially taught. So what we have learned to be true, that God loves us, that God forgives sinners when they turn, repent of their sin, and believe in the name of Jesus, to not stray from that, that that is a firm foundation, right? Like we were singing this morning. It's being rooted in this good and healthy soil that can produce an enduring faith that lasts, that endures, that survives, because Paul warns of what can happen when we're not rooted in Christ. In verses 8 through 10, Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive, right? That you get captured, you get taken away, you get pulled from that healthy soil. He says, By philosophy and by empty deceit, according to human tradition, the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ, all these different things, whether it's intellectualism or just... Uh, different ideas about the world that can hold us captive. Because I love this next line. He says, for in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And we don't really talk like that. But what Paul is doing is he is reminding the Colossians and reminding all of us to stay focused on God, stay focused on who he is, what we know to be true and his promises for us, that there may be a time where we're going through a season of doubt and there's, there's uh, things we can learn from that, but there's also a time to doubt our doubts and to stand firm and established in what we believe and know to be true. 
as we heard this morning in Amazing Grace, right, there's these moments where maybe it's easier at times to be captured by the love of God in the big and exciting moments, right? In Amazing Grace, it says, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. For anyone here today who's following Jesus who can probably remember a moment where they, they fully realized it kind of finally kind of gets through our skulls that God loves us and he sent his son for us. And when we receive that gift, we are forgiven. We are made at peace with the God of the universe. And that is an incredible feeling. That God's grace is, is precious. And the same can go for a day like today, right? Baptism is an incredible day. If there's a personal highlight reel in heaven, which I highly doubt, by the way, because it's about Jesus and not about us. But if there is, I would imagine that your baptism makes the cut. It's an amazing, incredible way of showing your commitment to your faith in Jesus. But then there are also less exciting moments in life. Maybe God's grace appears less precious. We become accustomed to it. We grow numb to it. Life happens to us. Maybe the novelty and the emotion kind of wears off and all you're left with is, is faith. And not all because it's all you need. But when those moments come where it feels less exciting, it feels less precious to us, and those moments kind of start to wear off, that's when it's easier, as Paul describes, to be taken captive. And those are the exact moments why he says we remain faithful, established in the faith, firm, with a firm foundation. Because as we see and as we know in our lives, there are so many other things that can so easily and so quickly grab our attention. Very few of us even think about one thing at once, right? Some of you likely have something else going on in your minds even while we're talking right now. It's so easy for other things to grab our attention. Maybe it's uh, something new, right? It's always something new, a new relationship, a new job, a new hobby, a new passion, or even concepts of spirituality that aren't found in Jesus that can capture our attention as well. Paul says they could take us captive. We may lose sight of who God is or who we are in his image. We may begin to drift from community. We may begin to drift from the things that made us feel alive in Christ in the first place. And Paul's telling us when, when we drift from God and, and begin to kind of um, find ourselves drifting towards other things, Paul's saying, don't believe the hype. Those things are not worth it. They cannot do for you what Jesus can do for you. He even goes as far to declare that the false teacher's words are empty deceit. Not only is it deceptive, but it's empty. There's nothing in it. And look at how he contrasts that by saying that the fullness of deity dwells bodily in Jesus. So the moments where your faith feels less exciting to you or less captivating, remember the fullness of God, the deity that dwells bodily. That means that our hope in life and in death is in Jesus and in Jesus only. The fullness of deity, all of God's power, his presence, it says his authority, it's all found in Jesus we won't find it anywhere else. This morning, uh, Graves into Gardens tells us that, right? The lyrics, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. How true is that? How many things do we look to, to, to fill us in a way that only God can? And Paul tells us, Jesus is the fullness of God. And not only that, but the next thing Paul says is that we have been filled in him it's not just that the fullness of God was in Jesus, but in Jesus we are full, right? It's a beautiful and incredible statement in those moments where life feels dull or empty or monotonous or just maybe boring. Remember that for those who follow Jesus, 
We have everything we need. We have been filled in him. We don't need other teachings. We don't need other philosophies. We don't need other spiritualities mixed in. We don't need other saviors. We have all we need in Jesus. And lastly, Paul makes a a powerful statement towards the end of this passage about what baptism truly symbolizes. Uh, In verses 11 through 15, I'm just going to read those again real quick. He says, In him, in Christ, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the flesh by circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, all of our sins, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Jesus." Now, first of all, the circumcision talk might be a little confusing. Paul is, uh, it's, it's metaphorical, by the way, what he's referring to. There will be no circumcisions this morning. Um, it's uh, really just, it was a, uh, a symbol of the covenant between God and his people in the Old Testament. And so here in the New Testament, Paul is declaring that a new covenant, a new pledge, and a new promise is being made to God's people, one that is made without hands and instead gives us a new heart. As Kirk said this morning, it declares us a new creation in Christ. So again, we see this commitment to live a new life following Jesus, where we put off the body of the flesh, where we no longer rely on our own strength, where we no longer trust in our own will or our own power or wisdom, but instead on God's. And these last few verses, I think, capture what is, is, is being symbolized through baptism today really beautifully. Because Jesus died on a cross for our sins, satisfying the wrath of God. He was placed in a tomb where he remained dead for three days, and on the third day he rose from the dead. This is a historical reality. And in his resurrection, Jesus is victorious over sin, over Satan, and over death itself. And when we surrender ourselves to God, when we surrender our lives, our will, our desire to do our own thing, be our own person, live our own lives, when we do that and we're immersed into baptism, into the water, when we're baptized, our own sin and our own separation from God, what Paul describes as being buried, or rather dead, in our trespasses, all of that is buried with Jesus in his death. And we are raised from the water in our baptism in the same way that Jesus is raised from the dead. And we are raised to new life with Jesus through faith, just as he rose. And with our sins forgiven, we are made alive together with Jesus. That is an incredible promise. Not only are we brought to new life, but we are brought to new life with him, that we get to walk with him every day of our lives in our schools, in our jobs, in our workplaces, while we're doing dishes, we are walking side by side with the Savior of the world. And we get to follow him and walk with him. And as Paul says, the record of debt, right, all of our sin, our separation from God, 
the payment we could never afford, we could never pay back. Student loans are staggering, but the separation from God, this is a much, this is a much higher thing. None of us could meet this. All fall short of the glory of God. And look at what Paul says about that record. It's canceled. It's nailed to the cross with Jesus. So baptism is, is a declaration of this inward reality where our sin is put to death. Our souls are cleansed and we rise from the water as new creations. Sharing in Jesus' victory, just as he rose victorious over sin, Satan, and death, in baptism as we rise, we get to do the same. And so today we get to see real people with real stories of God's love for them. We get to celebrate in the victory of Jesus that they get to experience as well as they take this next step of being formed into the image of Christ. So before we do that, I just ask that you pray with me. We'll do that together. Lord, we thank you so much, God, that you sent your son in our place, that the record of debt that stands against us has been canceled when we put our faith in you. And Lord God, today for those being baptized, declaring that they want to follow you, Lord God, that they have placed their trust and their faith in you and you only as their hope in life and in death, Lord, that you have made them new creations. You have indwelled them with your Holy Spirit. You have forgiven them of sin. You have given them a seat at your table. You have given them a place in your kingdom. Their names are written in the book of life, God, that they are made alive together with Jesus. We thank you so much for your kindness and your mercy that this is even a possibility. God, thank you so much for everyone here today. Lord, thank you for those who have made the decision to be baptized who have said, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to commit to you. I want to declare to everyone around me that I am in Christ, that I am following Jesus to the very end. Lord God, I thank you so much for that. Uh, Lord God, I pray that anyone here today who believes in you, who wants to follow you, who has not been baptized, Lord God, that you would give them the courage and the strength to walk forward in faith and to do the same. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.